everyone. Welcome to a special episode of Performing the Arts. I don't think this, was, this will be a regular. Uh, joining me today is Danielle Kogan. Hi. She is the artistic director of the Presser Pro, uh, Players. And also joining me today is Jim, um, if you could. Uh, Jim Walsh. He is also uh, part of the Presser Players. Yes, he is. He is our business manager. We're very happy to have him. We love Jim. I love you, Danny. <laughs> so how so, are you, Brian? I'm doing good. good. I'm so far. Uh, I had to do a a bunch of interviews this week, but the the fun hasn't really uh, died down. And the moment I get done with this week, I'm like, ah, I want to do more interviews, but I need to rest for a little bit. So it's like. Really recharge and all that stuff. But how did you come up with the idea of not only remaking or reinterpreting War of the Worlds, but just selecting that play or radio play in general? Mm, good question. Um, well, there is a man on Staten Island whose name is Thomas Riley. And we were cast together. I was also cast alongside Jim and Greg in a local um, production of All My Sons by, by uh, mm. Arthur Miller. Arthur Miller. Yeah, I didn't want to. Whoa. Okay, I'm blanking. It's fine. It's, it's been a while and since I've been in rehearsal <laughs> with a published author. Bear with me. Um, but it was All My Sons by Arthur Miller. So that's where we met. And over the course of quarantine, we had decided to run lines on Zoom. Um, Tom brought a copy of Orson Welles' radio play, um, War of the Worlds, right, to us to just read through. And we were looking at getting it produced when we realized, you know, we can do that ourselves. Um, Jim, if you want to jump in and there's more, I'm pretty sure that's how we found the story. Is that right? Absolutely. Um, it was in the middle of um, trying to um, read lines, still keep abreast of all my sons, because we have a show tentatively set for December, but we're not sure if that's going to happen, obviously, with what's going on in quarantine. Um, so then Tom came up with the idea to maybe be able to um, do this show. And then we all came together, me, Daniele, and uh, Greg McGovern, and we decided to why not adapt it into a uh, audio recording and be able to um, have some fun with it and bring something together. And that's basically how the pressure players got started with, with, with that piece. Yeah, at that hmm. time, we definitely weren't a company. We became a company much, much later in the game. So this, so the company essentially stemmed from the idea of, the company essentially stemmed from the idea of doing something like this but it became much more than uh, just say, hey, let's just do one thing. And then over the course of, say, pre-production of War of the Worlds, it essentially became, hey, why don't we just form our own little company since we're kind of like gelling all together? Kind of. It, it was more, it was more of, it was more of a bunch of actors just trying to stay creative, um, coming together to create something original and keep it fresh and um, really ground, find a way to ground our work as much as possible in 
something new, right? Because it isn't War of the Worlds, right? It's Dawn of a Great Panic. And it's sort of War of the Worlds adapted for COVID-19, adapted to have that same lightheartedness that Orson Welles had with hopefully a much more positive effect on the community because Orson Welles' piece did not, did not do well for the listeners of it. Yes, people actually thought an actual invasion was happening, so people like right, and and that's why uh, every Halloween or show, depending on if you could actually see it being performed on the radio, you could actually hear it on the radio. But people, for the most part, have been you know posting a link online on YouTube, that sort of thing. But in 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 the world of say manipulative of quote unquote Main Street media being you know fake news and all that stuff, how are people going to be uh, a sh- jump into the gun to say hey maybe this you know this is an actual invasion of you know Martians and stuff like that you know how how is it just not going to be not perceived as oh this is just you know you know, that sort of thing. It's like, how are you essentially adapting it into something that actually fits in the, this brave new world of, you know, COVID-19, where it's like, people are not really sure what's happening anymore. And it's also 2020, and it's like, and people have been joking about, oh, yeah, you know, it's June away, you know, the, the Martians are probably going to evade next month, and they're kind of like very nervous to what's been happening going around, that sort of thing. Well, the great thing is about it, Brian, is that um, with the collaborative effort of Danielli and Greg and myself, and uh, we're, we're making it current to what's going on in the times. I don't want to give too much away about what we're doing because obviously we want to excite and uh, keep people on their toes. But we think that we've come up with a script and an adaptation that will be very current and be very um, viable from the times that we're going through right now. And we think that people will embrace that because I think they can kind of identify with it. And I think that's why they'll, they'll like what we're doing with uh, the adaptation of War of the Worlds, which, of course, is Don't Have a Great Panic. Yeah, that's, that's a great way to sort of sum it up, Jim. Um, Don't Have a Great Don't Have a Great Panic. Uh, I want to say the way that we found um, to keep things contemporary is incredibly based in research. It's incredibly based in news. Um, I, so I recently graduated from the same college you did, (laughs) um, and I managed to finish with a theater degree and a journalism degree. So the journalism degree has really given me that background about finding credible sources. Um, we're taking things that have been sort of top stories in the news over the course of everything that's happened between the, um, third and 10th week of quarantine uh, because, you know, we've, a lot has happened since, right? Big movements are taking place since. Um, and we've sort of adapted the top stories between that time frame into our story. Does that make sense? Very, uh, very much so. Uh, so, obviously not change, uh, tiling it as world of worlds. It's kind of like redundant, you know, especially nowadays. Because War of the Worlds can make, I mean, World of Worlds can mean so many things in terms of uh, 2020, you know, that sort of thing. 
So how did you come up with the idea of tying, uh, retelling as the of dawn of the, uh, yeah, dawn of the Great Panic? Dawn of a Great Panic is actually a direct line reference to um, one of the two books written titled War of the Worlds by H.G. Wells. It is, it's his phrase and it's our way of paying respect to the author that inspired the piece. Uh, so, even though this is pretty much a direct adaptation of War of the Worlds, can we see anything else that I have that has essentially inspired, I won't say like other films or other like stories that kind of like intersect that sort of thing, especially since, you know, so many like invasion movies have essentially came uh, come out over the past like say 40 years or so especially since you know invasion of the body snatchers was a big thing and that was kind of like almost <laughs> a uh direct homage to war of the worlds and you know red dawn that sort of thing right um not movies per se but jim jim plays a character that that does have a lot of references. Jim, do you want to talk about it? I don't know if we want to spill these beans, but I think it's safe to yeah. spill these beans. Yeah, I, I, I think we can kind of touch points a little bit. I, I think that my character in general, I kind of play him, I think, like a George Costanza, but he's like, like this old school kind of um, old guy who likes to have like these old references. He's always throwing references, like us say, old, old things. I'll put it to you that way. That'll, uh, that'll make people, I think, really, really get a kick out of it. But it's also funny, too, Brian, that you mentioned um, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. One of the things I think I talked about with Daniele and Greg, I think I remember this, that um, I remember watching the remake of Invasion of the Body Snatchers. So I'm sure I don't know if you've ever seen it. But this is kind of something that I was kind of hoping that we could do with this particular um, adaptation, which I think that we've done a good job with, um, that we're trying to make it a group thing where we're all in this situation where this is all happening during the current times that we're living in and everything that's been going on. And um, I think that the, um, the premise is kind of similar to that of Asian the Body Snatches, but a little bit more of a different take on our part with this particular script, which I think makes it not only just viable and um, contemporary, but I think that the characters in particular in this particular project, like myself, Daniele's and even Greg McGovern's, I think people can relate to them. Because I myself, I know that when I'm in character, not in character, I like to throw movie references or stage references as part of my, uh, my motto. Like I'll throw things like that. So I think that people can identify with this and get a kick out of it. Yeah, if, if not just news stories, we're all, there's a lot of um, inspired references, I want to call them, to old text and existing stereotypes. We definitely touch on existing stereotypes. It's one of our instruments for comedy in the script. And I'm an actor, right, by trade. So I never really thought of myself as a writer, but um, just the creation of the company has given me a lot of, a lot of that, a lot of sources to pull from, to do things of all kinds. Yeah. and. No, go ahead, Jim. No, I said the writing, the writing is very witty. I think people will, will catch that. It's very witty, and I think people can identify with that. And just to piggyback with uh, Danielle, what you just said. Mm 
well said. Uh, so speaking of writing and what you just said, Daniele, um, yeah, uh, it, there comes a time, especially nowadays, where writing, especially on shows and films, have become almost self-referential, uh, especially since uh, the 1990s or so, like the mid-90s, when Kevin Williams isn't bleh, when Kevin Williams decided to do a stream, and that becomes like a self-referential. Uh, uh, thing about the slasher genre. So over the past, like say, close to 25 years or so, or over 25 years, works have becoming a lot more self-referential, that sort of thing. So I do like the idea of you not only homaging these sort of films, but also poking fun of the idea of saying, you know, this could be an invasion of the body slasher thing, that sort of thing, or, you know, that sort of thing. Um, in terms of just, in terms of, give me a second. Mm-hmm. Uh, Take your time, it's totally fine. Okay. Uh, you'll edit it in post, we trust you. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, trust me, you'd be surprised. Uh, you face the yeah, Brian, you're doing great. Thank you. Uh, uh, in terms of other inspirations, do you see the main inspiration, Dawn of the Great Panic, aka the War of the Worlds, being? Did you see this as being sort of like, hey, this could be a standpoint? in terms of what's been happening, in terms of what's been going on for the past, like, say, several months? Yes. Uh, okay, so I, I do want to clarify. Dawn of a Great Panic is not War of the Worlds, right? Um, whew, that's like a whole trademark copyright issue. <laughs> um, a big thing we are trying to sort of avoid in general. But Dawn of a Great Panic uh, definitely gets its inspiration from War of the Worlds and you know, we're happy to say that any day. Says so in the script. Um, do I think that, I just want to make sure I understand your question. Do I think that um, all the other things that inspired the script uh, help relate it to today? Yes. Yes, I do. Um, I think. I think all of the references of what happened between weeks, you know, three and 10 of quarantine. Um, because that's, well, that's when we were writing the script, right? Um, that was critical. It was crucial to stay on top of news stories at that time. It was crucial to um, get to work with these actors and see what they wanted and see how it read to them. Because um, the piece is made for the, the people now to listen to, but also, at least in my eyes, um, the piece is made as a historical marker. It's our debut project. It's our very first project as a company, but it's also something that the world is going to be able to look back on, hopefully, and say, oh, these elements were really present in society, in New York City, in America. Yeah, and I could definitely see that uh, happening. Uh, Do you have something to add, Jim? 
Yeah, that's uh, well said, Daniele. Um, absolutely. I mean, I think that in order to adapt something like this, which is what we did, Dawn of Great Panic, I think that we needed to make it contemporary and going on uh, in these days, um, as well as the uh, the H.G. Wells uh, War of the Worlds was great for its time. I think we needed to adapt it into what we did now in order to make relevance of what's going on to to make people understand better. Uh, tell me how the process, if this is a good question, uh, uh, tell me how the process was into cr uh, creating a radio script, because I know radio script or radio play is a much more of a different beast than say a screenplay or a play itself because of the way it's formatted. And I'm not sure, and I know you have a background in journalism and stuff like that, so Daniele, I'm not sure if you have experience in like creating like radio teleplays, I guess. So. <laughs> yeah, I definitely did not have experience writing radio teleplays prior to this. Um, the, the experience was very ensemble based. It was very devised um, in the sense that everybody, uh, when I say everybody, I mean here Jim and Greg, uh, everybody committed to reading the monster length of both books by H.G. Wells, both books of War of the Worlds. That's definitely how we started. Um, after that, it was seeing what characters we wanted to feature having lots of talks about that what's important for today what's relevant what translates what doesn't translate right a lot of it was translating scenes verbatim from the script as just starter scenes starter templates to use uh capturing those emotions seeing what we were attracted to plotting character shifts and then only at the end of i think our first month <laughs> of talking we had like a working draft that we then revamped completely um i firmly believe all good writing happens in the rewrites <laughs> jim 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 helped jim generated some really critical scenes that contributed to um our scripts passing the bechdel test and and all kinds of things like that thank you Jamie. Um, even yeah. though, oh, go ahead. No, 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 I'll get Brian. I was just, I was just, just what you said. Uh, well, well put. Well okay. done, Daniel. Okay. Uh, and you mentioned devising, and we both had devising, uh, Daniele and I had devising over the course of this past spring. And even though it was a in more in, interesting uh, endeavor, especially <laughs> because it was now online, uh, <laughs> In terms of the three of you, who actually, I won't say, this is not like one of those uh, <laughs> prideful moments, but who in, in the process kind of like gave the most input, but like the most well, creative, like. <laughs> I, you know, I'm, I, I'm not even, not even to be safe. I do not think there is an answer to that question. Like, because everybody, everybody that has founded this company is so passionate. Like, so pa I have, I have, I think one of my biggest concerns, right, coming out of college was, wow, where am I gonna find people so passionate, people 
that are so willing and so welcome to work and so unafraid to talk about any topic, right, that has to do with our industry. And like, I, the reason I can't answer that is not because like nobody was involved, but because like everybody was so constantly involved. Like I would wake up in the morning to messages with notes on the scenes and I would give scene notes and then we would read it and test it. And like, I feel like I was in a lab, you know, Jim, you probably, I, I don't know. I like, I don't know if you can second this. I hope you can second. <laughs> we can um, to piggy piggyback on what Danielle said. It was a collaborative effort. I mean, I was very grateful to be able to be introduced to Danielle and Greg Brian, because I am now in a position in my life where I wanted to be with people who not only wanted to be able to create and have passion, but also be able to have the mindset to want to be together and, and collaborate on something. I think this was something that I've always wanted to do. And the great thing about it was it happened so accidentally and so spontaneously that before we knew it, we formed this company and we, me, Greg, and, and, and Daniele just completely just, we all put our input into it and we just kept creating, creating, and we all had the same vision. Get the company started, write this adaptation, and, and just, and, and really just continue to create and see what we can, what we can do with this. Uh, we're, we're all very excited about it. <laughs> yeah, what, um, what some people might be really interested to know, really well put, Jim. Um, Thank you. What some people might be interested to know is that uh, all of us up until this point in our lives have only met one time. Yes. Me, Greg, and Jim have only met once. Um, I have constantly surprised people with the fact that we decided to go into business together. But I think when it works, it works. <laughs> Honestly, in terms of my experience, theater is born out of great minds, especially if those minds are so uh, unconventional. So even if it's uh, an unconventional mean, like, hey, we just met each other like maybe once or twice but we have our contact numbers all that stuff and we have our social medias that sort of thing and we keep on you know in contact that sort of thing uh the irony brian in all this just to quickly say this this never would have happened if it wasn't for COVID 19 as horrible and as tragic as this has been in our communities and throughout the nation and throughout the world if COVID-19 didn't happen, we don't know if we would have started this, right, Danny? Danielle, oh, absolutely. 100%. Because we were in rehearsals for a show doing a workshop every week, and I think it's true. I think I met Danielle once. <laughs> and plus we've been on this lockdown, and we were doing what we were doing via Zoom. This is how this all got started. Yeah. Yeah. He's not wrong. Um, I mean, COVID-19 has been emotionally taxing uh, for everyone we think and it's definitely it's been i think a big tragedy for people across the world um to be able to find light in that has been difficult but much easier since <laughs> the making and creation of our, the company you know in the future we hope to officially become a company Yes. yes. Like and I can't wait to actually be there for like first day. Well, not first day. Uh, like first opening night or first preview, wherever you want to do it. So I'm not sure. Like I'm not sure if you want to do like the whole Broadway form. That's actually a good uh, question. Like once you 
once uh, post COVID-19, everything starts like reopening, that sort of thing. Uh, would you actually follow the, the Broadway format of having previews first and then having like an official opening night or would it just be like, hey, everything is for like, everything since rehearsal and, and tech is for like lockdown. Mm -hmm. Right. Everything, <laughs> like everything has been essentially been to a point where it's like, hey, we have everything set. We don't need any previews, but, mm. uh, but from a, a theater fan perspective, will you have like say, pre because I know some of the shows that I've seen uh, like off Broadway, that sort of thing. They do have a like a couple of night previews where it's like, you know, a couple of preview nights and then they do official like opening night thing. I think, and Jim, correct me if I'm wrong here, but I, I really think we're going to have to play it by project. We are so far from having our own space. Um, or maybe not so far. We'll see. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think we definitely want to recreate the live theater experience. We're going to explore what that looks like after quarantine, especially with everyone having to be like six feet apart all the time. Um, I think... I think it's project-based. Like after War of the Worlds, we have a community festival coming, right? We have um, in the future, a next show and a next show. And if I would love to, you know, do previews and opening nights and galas like that when the time is right. I think that's a big part of like mm, the community in our industry. Absolutely. I think that, um... The goal of the pressure players, I think, is to hopefully one day, God willing, have our own space, theater space, where we can not only um, create our own work, but hopefully also bring in other work from other um, fellow Thespians and writers. And also, at the same time, I think hopefully we can also even, I mean, hopefully even do film. I think me and Danielle have talked about that. Uh, she can correct me if I'm wrong, even with Greg, that maybe we're resolving to not only do theater, but also hopefully to do some film projects as well. Yeah, it's a very creative production company style approach where it's just like, can we, what can we do? What do we want to do? Um, how can we do it best? How can we be as inclusive to as many things as possible? Uh, tell me about that creative style uh, approach because I know you mentioned advising and you mentioned this was a, a creative group effort. Uh, is it basically... Uh, in terms of and in, in terms of like this pre-production phase where you kind of like you took the the basics of the 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 basic of Lord of the Worlds and then essentially took it all away and then created into your own little play. In we tried. <laughs> in terms of the creative process, how much of it is stem from not only devising, but also just from a collaborative effort? Or is it just essentially 100% a collaborative effort and there's um, no buts about it? I'm really glad I had devising class uh, with Laura Tesfin and Jovi Tong. They changed the way I look at theater uh, with that class, in that course particularly. I think there are some exercises I was able to bring to devising. We did a little bit of like EF's like journey to a small planet where you sort of 
do a mental image of the piece in front of you and you see if you're in an inside space or an outside space. We did as many exercises as we could do um, via Zoom. <laughs> it's very difficult to do devising exercises via Zoom. Um, but beyond that, everything was collaborative. Research was collaborative. News article searching was collaborative. Um, I was definitely probably the one of the three of us to check for credibility <laughs> because that's what I do. Um, but Jim and Greg, I, I wish I could like summarize in a short sentence, right? Because like, I can be like, well, I did that. And Greg gave uh, feedback and wrote his original scene and Jim wrote an original scene. And then Jim gave feedback and we all gave feedback and everybody found resources. So I, 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 I guess it isn't a hundred percent collaborative effort. I mean, that I, makes sense. Go yeah. ahead, Jim. No, I'm just grateful to, to, be, to be with Daniele and Greg because um, they're very creative. <laughs> so is Jim, yeah. Jim, is, Jim actually uses his creativity in the best way. He's uh, like doing good for the environment with it, which um, is, is, it's good. He, he, I think it was really because of Jim that, um one of like our core values as a company is about like social relevance and consciousness sort of this like we want to yes high quality product yes product in the sense of like stories right yes high quality stories yes inclusive stories but um you know jim was just talking about how he he goes around recycling on the street just does that um which yeah. is rare to hear about and you know, Staten Island needs it. The whole city needs it. Um, and now we've got this like very ecological influence in the company, where like everything is to the attention of the bigger picture. It's probably the retired New York City sanitation worker in me too, Daniele. Uh, <laughs> but it's a weird thing. It's that you know, I, I take pride in my community. I, I take pride in um, relationships, and um, and I'm very. And I like to think I'm I'm, I'm very passionate and somewhat creative and you meet Daniele and Greg and you get involved in this and it's a hundred percent collaboration, hundred percent in with everything. So I'm very grateful. Yeah. I hope people can really, at least in listening to the project beyond enjoying it. Um, I think with the script that we've created, I hope they can get a sense of just how, just how much care and attention and, faith there was put into this project like i i read the script and i'm a little biased but i think <laughs> i think it jumps off the script you know i think like you read it and you can tell that the people that created it care about it and that it's so important to them and that you know they've done everything in their power and in their mind they've fundraised for it they've like there's just a lot of passion behind the project and i hope that 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 aspect of our collaboration is what people get a sense of in our debut. And correct me if I'm wrong here, Danielle, just one more thing to piggyback on that. The great thing about particular adaptation is that I think people not only love the characters, but you have drama, you have um, suspense, and you also have comedy in this script. But also the great thing about this script is that we've been able to adapt is that this is a, an adaptation that hopefully we can bring to the theater 
and maybe even possibly film it one day. Um, when, when this social distancing ends, hopefully we can do that, right, Danny? Danielle, sure, I mean, definitely. Yeah. There is, in creating original stories, I think, which is what we did, right? Um, it's definitely, I would say I've never seen a piece like this before. Um, in creating original stories, I would say the format can be flexible. I think it's about, for us, it'll definitely be about what the story wants to be, right? We could have, we could have written Dawn of a Great Panic as a play first, um, but quarantine aside, it just didn't feel right. Um, it didn't feel like that's what the piece was at the time. So if, if the piece is, ever starts to feel like something else, sure, yeah, we'll turn it into something else. Um, but we're definitely trying to identify like, not just where we want our projects to be, but where the projects themselves want to be. Now, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you mentioned Stat Island. Uh, how, uh, would Stat Island be a focal point in terms of the setting? Or, and also how, ha and this is an odd question because I've never actually seen a theater in Staten Island because it's it's like hard to actually see if there is theater in Staten Island. <laughs> because, like, I only know that like there's like one theater in Staten Island, and that's like you just gotta take the the bus over there, and then you're practically right over there. Or maybe I don't know. It depends on where you live. But. Yeah, it's it's a local theater community. Uh, we won't lie. There's definitely more than one company um, on the island. And, you know, as, as an actor who has actually spent like so much time doing theater away from the island, I can't wait to meet them. I can't wait to work with them. I can't wait to see how we can collaborate. Um, but I don't think, I don't think, you know, Staten Island is our focal point. I think, I think our focal point is going to be in our stories, I think finding places to put them is going to be our challenge. Well, I mean, not like focal point, like, like that's your focal point. I meant like location wise, is this thing sensed out is what I was trying to say. Yeah. This, this story is, this, this story is set on Staten Island. Um, yeah, this story is, but that is not to say that, you know, all the projects will be, would be. I think it depends on, Brian, I think a lot of it depends on what we're doing in the future, not only just with this particular project, Danielle said, is, is basically based in Staten Island, but I think in the future moving forward, depending on what we decide to tackle, I think that um, Staten Island could definitely be a backdrop to our stories, but I think we also want to also uh, pursue other opportunities in the city, particularly Manhattan um, or your tri-state area. I mean, yeah. Like, yeah, I think we're, as, we're really well put, Jeff. Um, I think, oh. I think we're trying right now in every project that we do to be as inclusive and as exposed as possible. We're so focused on being transparent. And what that means for me is that we have audiences that are, that consist of all kinds of people. We have diverse audiences, we have diverse casts, we have diverse projects, right? Um, I think there's a lot of discussion to be had in the industry about that. I think we're really interested in that discussion. I think we are particularly interested in 
like as a company, right? And not just as an actor, but like as a company, I think we are so prepared to start getting involved, you know, in communities that otherwise wouldn't see us, right? There's people in Manhattan who don't even know we exist. Yeah. And the weird thing, or rather this, well, the harsh truth in the matter is that in New York City, there are thousands, probably even more theater companies in New York City. And most of these theater companies do not stand after, say, I don't know, one or two performances or even something like that. But I know for a fact that Daniele, you have the drive to actually keep on going for the next, like, say, more than the next couple of years. It's very hard to quit working with such incredible people. Like, it's, um, you know, like, we all had our moment with this script where we were like, we're done with this script. I can't, like, we can't read it anymore. We've read it too much. We've read these books too much. This adaptation isn't working. Um, let's scrap it and forget it. Um, but, you know, you, you can't because a piece of your heart's in it. And you know that a piece of, you know, everyone else is in it. It's, it would be a lot harder for me, I think, to run any kind of company, right? Which is, which is even saying something, because I don't even feel like I run it. Like, I just feel like I, I hold the title of artistic director because that most encompasses what my general contribution is, you know? Um, like, I don't feel like, like, you know, president of the company, like, it's not, it's strange. It's, it's harder to quit when the people around you are passionate and when they're as passionate as Jim and Greg. It's, it's impossible. <laughs> don't let her fool you, Brian. She, Daniele is a major cog in this company. She is, she has done so much um, in, in getting this company going here. Uh, don't, don't, don't let her fool you with her, her humbleness. Um, her humbleness. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Jim. You're very welcome. Um, she's dedicated. She's passionate. She's very hardworking. Uh, and she's very talented. I can tell you that. Um, the, the one thing is, is that, um, the, the irony, I was going to say, with, with, with a theater company now, and unfortunately, regrettably, a lot of them may not even make it after this uh, quarantine is over. Um, so while you're under this quarantine, and I guess that's what we all figured, me, Danielle, and Greg, that we're under this quarantine, let's, let's be creative. I mean, not only just to form the company, but we don't know what we're writing here. We might write something, what we just wrote could be something that could be fantastic, which we, we know it's fantastic, but we don't know how people are going to perceive it. We think they're gonna, it's going to go really well. So why not be creative and have these instincts of creativity and passion? Because we're under this lockdown, let's, let's be creative and have some fun, but also be passionate and be collaborative. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, think, I think we chose the worst time in the world to start a theater company, but I think... We, <laughs> I think we couldn't have chosen a worse time objectively if we tried. Um, but that being said, I think, I think there is a future for theater. I don't think theater is going anywhere. I'm one of those artists that believes the theater is a core of what a lot of us do. And even though there are shows that are essentially stopping production right now, or even going as far as, you know, closing 
just as a set of previews or just closing in general, I do believe that once this quarantine is over and this lockdown has been lifted in terms of not only New York City, but also the entertainment industry in general, there's got to be a lot more stronger focus on putting out greater entertainment, especially for the past, say, several months, you know, current uh, events notwithstanding, there's probably going to be a more greater need to, uh, to push for greater storytelling. And I know this will probably be one of the great, uh, one of the great storytelling moments of something that was born out of quarantine. Yeah. Uh, speaking of quarantine and how all this stuff was practically on Zoom, uh, what is the process of essentially uh, getting it done? Yeah, getting it done mm. over Zoom or was it something over Skype or maybe even Google Hangouts? You know, <laughs> we have, okay, so I won't give away too much. We have one scene that does exclusively sort of happen. It's set as a video chat. Um, but because it's a sound recording, we are currently uh, booking dates for an actual studio where we can stay safe and maintain social distancing. We will be meeting in person um, prior to that because the, you know, the city's reopening. So we'll, I'm sure everyone will come in masks and their protective gear, but we're gonna rehearse that show. We're gonna rehearse it together um, in person. And then we're gonna take it to a studio which we have successfully fundraised for. That's basically the gist of like the logic of the project. Nice. Uh, and now in terms of future projects, I know you mentioned you have a community collaborative thing. Could you elaborate more on that? Sure. Um, so one of our collaborative projects far down the line is a uh, documentary about the sanitation department inspired by Jim. Um, but that's far down the line. More, more Currently, yeah, <laughs> we are starting this festival called Scene on Staten Island. And basically, anyone in the world who's ever written a cohesive sentence, so long as they follow the pressure players at, at the pressure players on Facebook and Instagram, can submit any amount of sentences into this Google form that we have. Um, what we will do is collect it and reorder it to be in as much as possible a working script that we will perform at a later date along with potentially some other community actors um but that's that festival uh right now it's about collecting those sentences and that happens now till july 15th and all the information about that in general is on the pressureplayers.com um, but it's also on our social platforms in terms yeah, in terms of other clear, uh, yeah. in terms of other collaborative uh, things, especially going forward, uh, do you see? And, and this is actually a question I've been asking a lot. In, well, for the past couple of episodes, I've been asking the, like a similar questions. Like, do you see like a social media? 
platform, uh, like a social media theater platform almost starting to rise in the wake of this, because especially since, you know, people are still using Instagram Live to do fundraisers, that sort of thing. Uh, you know, I don't yeah. know. I don't know. Um, I don't, I think social media has always been, at least for businesses, a tool to market something, to market their materials. And Jim, feel free to add on here. But um, for storytellers, for actors, for artists, it's always just been about sharing work. So if, if what we have to do to stay safe for now, temporarily, if what we temporarily have to do is share our stories on social media, then that's what we're going to do. Um, <laughs> because it's in our nature. I think it's in our blood. It's what we, it's what we do with our lives. I think the great thing about social media, um, and well said, Dan, uh, Daniele, um, is that you have the opportunity to be able to connect with other artists. Um, and it gives you the ability to be able to at least, you, you, you can collaborate with them, but you also can share things. And that's the great thing about this, because while we're in this situation with COVID and the quarantine, we can at least share what we want to do and we can reach the masses. So it gives people an opportunity to create and we can create with them, which they hope. And then maybe that, that might give an opportunity to create some more things virtually than, in, than with being with each other in person. Right. All right. Uh, now, I'm actually got one last question for, for you. It's a, it's a very straight, forward simple question and it's like something you could just do and actually take your time for it but as and this code and this goes for the both of you uh to those who have been watching or have been listening what advice could you give to the gentle viewer or listener mm. my advice to the audience would be to Allow yourself to have the full experience. Plug in your headphones and close your eyes. Um, <laughs> there's nothing uh, to, my, to my knowledge that is extensively triggering in there. Um, you're, the sound created for you is meant to be the sound of a safe space. So just enjoy it. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, uh, it's 30, 40 minutes long. It's half an hour. Just kick back, you know? Kill, take some time to rest from everything. Rest from the story of what's going on. Come to ours. Get a little hope. Jim? Uh, sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that, um, I think what it also could do is, is allow people to realize that anything can happen under even these horrific events that are going on right now in our world. So the great thing is, from a bad thing, is that take, take your moment to take a breath, like Danielle said, and have an opportunity to be able to listen to something that not only that you could really enjoy to get away from this, but also give you an opportunity to, to rethink about maybe what you'd like to do in life. Maybe if you're someone who always had an ambition uh, to, um, to create something, this gives you an opportunity to know that three Thespians, three people who take our work very seriously, had an opportunity to get together and create something, and now we're giving it to you to enjoy 
and we hope you enjoy it. And now maybe it gives you an opportunity to get creative and do your own thing. Yeah, definitely be open is what I would say. And beyond being open, I would say, you know, um, just let yourself laugh. Like we're all in a stressful moment. Things are not, <laughs> things are not where they have been all our lives. And everybody's sort of trying to make peace with the fact that they will never be the same again, whatever that means, right? But um, you have at least three people in the world who believe in the survival of the industry. So. This too, this too shall pass. Well said. And that was this episode of Performing the Arts. I'd like to thank Daniele and Jim for taking the time for doing it like that. Uh, uh, doing an uh, interview like this for me, with me. Uh, I'm sorry that Greg could be here, but I would like to have asked him a couple of questions, but you two have like answered a lot of my questions, like straightforward and in a very creative way and also very in a very uh, fun way too. So Thank you. Uh, Thank you for having us on your show and congratulations on starting it. It was, it was wonderful to have been seeing you do your thing especially after graduation it's very good that you're staying creative i think good job ryan thank you and before i go go uh before we end this episode do you have any social media you want to plug absolutely um <laughs> <laughs> absolutely please follow at the pressure players spelled the way it sounds t-h-e-p-r-e-s-s-u-r-e-p-l-a-y ERS on Instagram and Facebook. You could also find all the information about our upcoming uh, festivals or upcoming <laughs> projects, our existing submissions on thepressureplayers.com. Um, so thepressureplayers.com or at thepressureplayers on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube. That's where you can find anything you need to know about us. And like us on Facebook and stalk us on Instagram. Yeah. Thank you for having us, Brian. Real pleasure. Thank you. And with that, this has been episode probably eight or I forgot what, to, but this has been a very special episode of Performing the Arts. I hope you all enjoyed watching or listening, depending on how you see it. Anyway, take care, everyone, and enjoy yourself.